I'm so delighted that you guys are joining us for this brand new series, which I'm calling Winning the Battle in Your Mind. This week's teaching is focused around the subject reboot, it's like rebooting your computer, rebooting your, rebooting your phone. Uh, I think God's saying, look, it's time for us to reboot uh, how we think and engage uh, with our minds. Uh, but first, uh, let me just share this extraordinarily important announcement. Uh, our congregation, NBCC, has been able to work out an arrangement with the United States Surgeon General, Mr. Vivek uh, Muthi, um, for an event that we're calling Let's Talk. We've scheduled it for October the 24th. It's a virtual event, live event, where we'll be able to engage with the U.S. Surgeon General uh, around the pros and cons of this whole, the questions surrounding vaccination. Listen, here's the deal. Uh, the whole vaccination thing here in the U.S. has become so politicized across the political spectrum. Tons of people, just tons of people, uh, simply want to know what can they believe? What can they trust? So we've invited him to come and in this virtual event, provide us with the most updated information. This event is not about persuading or twisting people's arms. It is solely about informing. In addition, uh, hopefully, maybe you've already made a decision about what you're going to do, but it also will help you to figure out how to talk to your family members and your loved ones. And he'll help us to think through how to do a better job in terms of caring for our mental health in this season. Incredibly important event. Now, one more thing. I've reached out to my uh, colleagues across the country. We expect to have scores of other churches and uh, faith organizations joining us in this event uh, you know, the way NBCC has been designed, we are so radically diverse. I think part of why God has designed us that way is that we can leverage that with credibility and try to bring people together across all of the differences from the far right to the far left for uh, opportunities like this. And I'm praying that God will use this literally to help save lives. Uh, and uh, perhaps those lives may be even in our own families. So, uh, the QR code is right here. NBCC, I'm leaning on you. Guys, I want you to go ahead and uh, scan the code. Make sure you register, sign up, and invite your family and friends wherever you live across the country. All right? God bless. Okay, let's jump into our teaching. Uh, let's look at our text. A fascinating text that I'm in, uh, just overjoyed to kick off this series with. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. And uh, here it is. Uh, listen to what the Word of God says. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And there ends the reading. If you happen to have uh, heard the previous series, which I call detox, uh, you Heard the message that I taught last week, which was about uh, living an empowered life. And that means that God has already positioned you for this series to take us deeper. Now, if you didn't hear that series or the message from last week, there's a, um, uh, the link is right here on the screen in terms of how to get to our, our website. And I want to encourage you to go ahead and listen to that message, uh, those messages at your convenience. On the other hand... Uh, ultimately, here's the deal. I think God is trying to position us in this series to figure out how to do one thing, and that is how to win in difficult times. Now, listen, I know some of you are thinking, look, 
after the pandemic, then, uh, on the other side of this bad relationship, then. Oh, you know what? You know, having struggles in school, next semester, uh, I'm going to start, I'm going to get it together. But here's the truth of the matter. If you can learn to win in difficult times, then it means that you can win all times, in every season. And God is saying in this moment, in this season, I want to teach you to win. And the place where we need to win the most in a very consistent and regular way are the battles that we're dealing with in our minds, the battle of the mind. You know, I think we can all agree that we feel like our thoughts are constantly uh, brains are constantly being bombarded by external thoughts. I mean, you can't watch TV without seeing sex and drugs and drinking and power and money and, and Hollywood's definition of what's cute and pretty just flashed in front of you, flashed in front of you. All of these uh, messages that keeps attacking our thinking forces us to think critically about ourselves because we don't always fit those different things. Or we're trying to fit in to some of those things. Some of those things are not for us. So here's the, here's the deal. Whether you're a believer or not a believer, here's some good news for you. You know, last 20 years, we've done an enormous amount of studies scientifically uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the field of neurology. And all of the lessons that have been learned about how the mind is shaped and formed and how it can, how it is... Uh, uh, how it's, um, it has a plasticity, uh, it, it, it now kind of reinforces this notion that, you know, we're not only fighting battles in our mind, but we can actually win. And, and a lot of suggestions that science is suggesting that we ought to do <laughs> matches almost perfectly with what the Word of God says that we ought to be doing. So let me just offer a couple of books where you'll find this intersection at, right? And so this is good news, right? Any series that says modern science and biblical insight, they're like intersecting. You want to lean into this, okay? All right, here's the first. Uh, Pastor Craig Michelle wrote a book called Winning the War in Your Mind. I've kind of adapted this series off of that. He's got some, uh, just some rich insights in this book. I'm going to pull for some of those uh, insights over the course of this series. Here's another book uh, for those of you who, who are looking, want to use a different kind of side of your brain as we engage this subject. Uh, you Are Not Your Brain, written by a world-renowned uh, uh, psychiatrist uh, in the field of what they call uh, neuroplasticity, which is a part of... Uh, of, uh, of neurology uh, and a study of the brain. And uh, this is a fascinating book uh, where he's looked at how the brain has plasticity, as I've said, and trauma and pain kind of wires the brain one way and how a variety of tools, including spiritual disciplines and insight, can help us to rewire our brains. That's right. You may feel like you've lost a battle. You may feel like you're sinking. You may feel like it's all over. Uh, but both of these books uh, con combined with God's insight says, no, 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 no. It's not over yet. And then uh, just to kind of drive this home, uh, what you're finding in both of these books is exactly what God's word says. I'm going to give you just one example of uh, here, here, here's, here's what scripture says. For as he thinks, as he or as she thinks in their heart. So is that person. 
You know what the thought? You know what this is saying? It says that you know that what we think has a whole lot to do with where we end up in life, who we end up portraying and become. What we think has a whole lot to do with our capacity and our inabilities. Listen to how uh, Pastor Craig Cruchel puts it. This is what he says. Our lives, you ought to take a picture of this. This is very important. Our lives are always moving in the direction, listen, of our strongest faults. I like to say our strongest reoccurring faults. So here's your question. What are your strongest reoccurring thoughts? Because whatever your strongest reoccurring thoughts are right there, that, uh, those are the strategic places of the battles that we've got to fight and win in our thoughts and in our minds. Now, I've got some good news for you. I know you may feel powerless. I, I, I know you may feel like a loser when it comes to engaging, you know, anxiety and depression and fear. I know, I'm, I know that you may, may, may feel, you know, like, you know, you know, I've been there and done that when it comes to trying to break free of addictions or break out of toxic relationships. You know, I, I know perhaps you say, look, I, I, you know, I'm just throwing my hands up. I'm just through with it. I'm just going to exist. Well, I, I just want you to know. There's some power for you to access. Can somebody shout power? Come on, let me hear you. Power for you to access. Listen to what the Apostle Paul again says as he writes to the Christians in Ephesus. Here's what he says. Listen, here's my prayer for you, Paul says. I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. You see, this is the same Mighty power, shout mighty power, the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand and in heavenly realms. Can somebody just shout mighty power? And, and for the next several weeks, this whole series about trying to address the question, how do we actually uh, access that mighty power and engage in the battles that we are fighting in our thoughts. Now, let me just say a couple of really quick things uh, here. One, none of us will ever win all of the battles. Wars are not necessarily won because we win all the battles. Wars are, are won often because the most strategic battles are won. And you want to learn how to win regularly and often and the most strategic battles. Secondly, some of you are already engaging with psychiatrists and psychologists and medication because some of the struggles that you're dealing with are physiological struggles. They're chemical based. Keep doing that. Don't just pull back. Don't stop. Keep doing that. But then just just bring the inside of what I'm teaching and add it to what you already uh, have decided to engage in. Now, with that, let's just back into this text. I love this text. And I want you to notice some things in the text that as we've shared. The first thing, uh, uh, let me just read it. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now I want you to notice the text says, then Jesus was led by the spirit in the wilderness. Uh, let me give you a context. Years ago, really years ago, a young pastor in uh, Boston, pastor in Roxbury Presbyterian Church. And my pastor, Bishop Donald Green, uh, just in passing had told me, he says, when I read the temptation story of Jesus in the scripture, and it shows up, the three of the gospel writers talk about it. 
two of them in detail, Matthew and Luke. He says, and, and you know, and the scripture talks about Satan takes Jesus to the top of the temple in Jerusalem and takes him over into the, in the mountain over here and he sees this and he shows him this. He said, I, I don't actually think Jesus was moving. I don't think Jesus left the wilderness. I think Jesus was engaged with Satan, with the tempter, as the text will say a few moments later, in his mind. I think the battle was happening in his mind. Man, did that explode my understanding of the text, revolutionize my understanding of the text. I want you to understand the part of the core battle, what Jesus was engaging with in his mind. Check this out. Uh, in the chapter just before, in both Luke and in Matthew, the previous chapter ends with Jesus being baptized and coming up out of the water. Watch this. And the father, the, the, the dove lands on his shoulder, representing the Holy Spirit. And the father voice comes over the inner cone of eternity. The clouds open up and everybody here. What is the announcement? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, the importance of that announcement becomes clearer. As we watch the engagement that Jesus has with the tempter. Now keep that announcement in your head. I'm going to come back to it in just a minute. So at basic, minimally, the fact that Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness, into the battle with the devil, to be tempted by the devil suggests to us that this was kind of the final part of Jesus' preparation for his public ministry, because after this, he moves forward. All right, here is the insight that you and I have got to get. Here it is right here. <clears throat> Engaging, disciplining, and focusing our thoughts is essential to our development. You want to do next level living, figure out how to engage, discipline, and focus your thinking. Those who are most impactful and most successful, this is what they figure out how to do. This is what Jesus had to do in order to make the journey from the wilderness to the, to the cross. He had to engage, discipline, and focus his thinking. And that started in this colossal battle that I had believe happened on the battlefield of his mind that he had to repeat again and again. Secondly, I want you to notice the tempter in the text. You know, Matthew makes it clear that he's talking about the devil. But, but here in verse 3, he introduces him as the tempter. I love this. The tempter. Come on, just say the tempter. Who are we talking about when we say the tempter? Well, the tempter is the same person that Jesus is talking about in John 10, 10, when he says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and, and destroy. The tempter is the same person that Jesus is referring to when he declares that the devil is the father of lies. The tempter is the same person that Jesus is referring to uh, when uh, the writer in 1 Peter says, be aware of the devil for he he, 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 he moves around like a, a prowling lion seeking whom he can devour, the tempter. The tempter is that, that force that comes from the unseen world that Paul is talking about, the, the backside of the dark side of evil and violence and hatred, the tempter. Now, he's not the person dressed up in a, pitch with, in a suit with a pitchfork. 
<laughs> That's make-believe. I'm talking about the tempter, the force of evil operating in the world. Well, if that's too complicated for you, just think about it like this. Whatever is trying to stop you from becoming what God is calling you to be by battling you in your thoughts, that's the tempter. Everybody shout, the tempter. All right, so here's the point. I want you to take a picture. The tempter is determined to keep you from fulfilling God's giving purpose. What is the tempter trying to keep you from doing that's inside of God's assignment for your life? Whatever age you are, wherever you live. Shout, the tempter. The second thing I want you to notice in the text, and I'm still talking context here. The, second thing, the, 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 the next thing I want you to notice in the text is, is the, this notion of the repeated attacks now, both gospel writers talk about, the, the, out of the three, two of them talk about three times the tempter comes, right? But, but the larger context suggests that these battles was going on over the course of the 40-day period that Jesus was fasting. But, but we get three snaps shots of what they looked like. Okay, here's the first attack. The tempter came to him and said, listen, if you are the son of God, Tell these stones to become bread. Stop. Do you see the focus of the attack in this text? If you are the son of God, did I not tell you that when Jesus was baptized, a divorce from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Uh, the, the suggestion here, come on now, is that when Jesus was born, as he grew, he grew into remembrance of who he was prior to entering his, his earthly context, fully human, but, but also fully God, that awareness begins to emerge. And there's enough gap there between the awareness, come on, uh, within the awareness uh, uh, between fully God and fully human, enough, enough, enough gap for there to be a little perhaps uncertainty. That is what the enemy is targeting. And what Jesus has got to remember, this is my beloved son. Come on. In whom I'm telling you who you are. But Satan was trying to, trying to, trying to attack that. He says, if you are the son, he's really saying, I don't really think you are who you say that you are. And I don't think that you think you are who you say you are. Come on now. If so, just go ahead and prove it. That's attack number one. Attack number two. Watch this. Uh, attack number two, it takes him up to the holy city, the battle of the mind, right? Imagination, right? And, and on the highest point of the temple, he says, here it goes. If you are the son of God, he says, throw yourself down. In other words, why don't you just go and commit suicide? <laughs> For it is written, notice the tempter, Satan is using scripture. Be careful because the broken parts of our mind can take scripture and misuse it in a way, in such a way that it condemns us and moves us in the wrong direction. Even though the text tells us, as the writer Paul declares, that in our relationship with Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation in Christ. Be careful. Just because somebody uses scripture doesn't make them righteous. And you got to even be careful about how your own brain can move you in the wrong direction towards away from God 
the misuse of scripture. That's what he's doing. He's quoting, the Satan is, Psalms 91 right here. He says, it is written, he will commend his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. What he's really doing is tempting Jesus in the name of proving it, commit suicide. Can you believe that? This is him trying to short, cut short Jesus' assignment. Is he trying to do that for you? You know, the other day, my good friend, Pastor George Hinman, shared with me. He lives in an upscale, predominantly white uh, neighborhood in Seattle that is composed predominantly of people who are part of the tech industry. People in their 30s and their 40s, etc. He shared with me that last month, four individuals in a three-block radius of where he lived, four of them committed suicide. One of them right across the street from his house. All young adults, young people, young in their 40s and their 50s. The deep. They listen to the tempter. Any voice in your head that's telling you to harm yourself, that's telling you in the name of faith or any other name to take your life, that is not a voice of God. Cry out for help. Push back on that voice. Don't trust that voice. And then here comes the third attack. Notice how it starts. Again. Can everybody shout again? Again. Again. Isn't that, isn't that how the negative thoughts usually come again and again and again? Isn't that how the battle um, uh, uh, manifests in your life again and again and again? Whether they are temptation that's falling from, coming from over there again and again. Come on. Feelings of inadequacy and fear again and again. Isn't that how it works? Depression again and again. Isn't that how it works? That's what Jesus is dealing with. Again, the devil took him a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I'll give to you, he says, if you will bow down and worship him. And I notice the, the devil is very consistent. The temple is consistent. He hasn't changed his focus of his attack. Here's the point. He's saying, Jesus, you're talking about you're God. But you know you're not God. I know you're not God. See, if you were God, you know, all of the kingdoms and all of the splendors of the world would belong to you. Because the cattle of a thousand hills belong. The earth is yours. And the fullness thereof. I, I know that and you know that. But we both know you're not God. Right? So if you want that kind of power, you want that kind of splendor, just go ahead and bow down to me. He's attacking Jesus' sense of identity. He's imposing inside of that this, this lie that he wants Jesus to believe that Jesus is not who the Father has declared that he is. It's the enemy trying to get you to believe that you're not who the Father has declared that you are. That's the question. So here's the question. Back, back to where we start. What's your strongest reoccurring thoughts. Let me give you really, there's two exercises that Craig Rochelle uh, suggests. I'm just going to offer them here. I think they're good practical ways of, of trying to figure out what are my strongest reoccurring thoughts and where is the lie hidden there? Remember I told you that's the strategic battle. Uh, and the first he suggests is that you should inventory your thinking. In other words, take a day or two and use your, your notes on your phone or use the recorder on your phone or uh, you know, write it down. What are the strongest reoccurring thoughts that keeps moving in your mind? I don't want you to just think about it. I want you to write it down. I want you to see it in black and white. Record it, speak it into a recording form, and then write it down. 
again and again what those thoughts are. Secondly, then audit those thoughts. He gives us kind of two formulas for ordering. First, he thinks this is, let's think about it uh, from the first, uh, next slide. He says, let's think about it from the defensive side. And let's ask some questions like this. Do my thoughts tear me down? Does my self-talk paralyze me in fear? Do the thoughts that I have cause me to keep people at a distance? Are my thoughts always negative and toxic uh, and self-defecating? Those kind of things. And then also look at it from the offensive side. What, is it, what, what, what do I need to move through in order to move towards God? Here, do my thoughts build me up? Do they inspire me to believe that I can, that I can make a difference in the world? Uh, does my uh, inner voice uh, inspire me to take faith risk? Hmm. He says, use these questions to evaluate. And here's what you're searching for. Next slide. Here's what you're searching for. You're trying to figure out, you're trying to identify what I'm going to call the dominant lie in your life. Now, our lies. <laughs> the lie that, that Satan was trying to superimpose into Jesus' life was to get him to believe that he was not the Savior, that he was not the Redeemer, that he was not fully God. What is the lie that's being superimposed in your life? Now, say this. I want you to think about this. The dominant pain. Now, here's what I've learned. That oftentimes something happens in our childhood and our growing up that becomes the, our dominant pain. And that becomes the place that is often manipulated, that creates for us kind of a false narrative that we buy into about our lives. Let me give you a perfect example. You've been around long enough. You probably heard me share my story. I'll just give you the 30-second pace. That as a six-month-old child, I got brutally scarred. And, um, and ultimately, after about a year in a hospital and multiple surgeries, I ended up in Cushetta, Louisiana, being raised by my grand aunt uncle. But I was this scarred kid going to school, special education and so forth and so on. And, and I, I used to say, I thought I was ugly, so I, I acted ugly. I thought I wasn't smart, so I always acted stupid and foolish. Uh, I didn't think I was special, so I acted as someone who life had no value. But primarily, I felt invisible. Invisible. Most times, people looked past me, over me. Didn't want to look at me because of my scars. When they did see me, they saw the scars. They did not see me. Dominant pain. Fast forward. Now I'm preaching to tons of people on YouTube and, and at San Jose and, and Redwood City every week. Right. I got a wonderful staff, fabulous wife. Uh, great kids, all that stuff is going good for me, right? I'm, I'm leading, having a wonderful, I'm about to do this thing with the Surgeon General, and yet there are times when I wake up still feeling like I could be invisible. You see how the lie of invisibility is connected to my dominant pain? What's your dominant pain? How might it be influencing how you perceive and think about yourself. All right, let me end here. Okay, so what do I do? Okay, I identify life. I feel like I'm invisible, right? But that's a lie, not. That's, that's the battle that's happening in my thoughts. What do I do? Here's, here's your answer right here. Replace the lie or lies with what's true. 
Now, if you don't know what God says about you, then you don't know what's actually true. So, so part of the insight here is learn what God says about you, because whatever God says about you, that's what's true. That's what's true. Craig Rochelle tells a story. Now, he's pastoring a church that has tens of thousands of members, multiple campuses all over the country. One of the most effective preachers uh, in modern time. He tells a story that when he came up to be ordained his last year in seminary, that he stood in front of a committee. After evaluating him, they publicly said to him out loud, the spokesman for the committee, you do not appear to have the gift mix needed to be a pastor. Matter of fact, we, we don't think that you're actually called to be a pastor. So we're going to deny your ordination. If you'd like to try again next year, you're welcome. Craig said he left that experience. He got in his car. He was driving home. He started thinking about how embarrassed and how ashamed he was to be rejected like that. What is he going to tell his, mom, his, his wife? What is he going to tell his pastor? What is he going to tell the church that he was a member of? And he was just crying and crying. And then he said somehow there was, he heard a voice. Not audible, but it was a voice. He said, God disrupted those thinking, those thoughts. And here's what God said. Here's what the voice said. You are not who others say you are. You are who I, God, say you are. And I say you've been called to minister. And he decided to believe who God said he was as opposed to believing who others said that he, that, that he is. And, and today he's leading and pastoring tens of thousands, literally impacting millions. You are not who others say you are. The thoughts, the tempter is trying to convince you lies about which others say about you about what your history says about you. But you are what God says you are. Come on, say it with me. I am what God says I am. My goodness. All right, can I just show you how this worked very quickly, and I'm, I'm finished. You see, Jesus countered every attack of the enemy with an affirmation of what God declares. He, he answered the first attack, turned these stones into bread by declaring, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He answered the second attack, you know, at, from the top of the temple uh, uh, in terms of the splendor and the kingdoms and all of that. He says, it is written do, do, uh, uh, in, in, in terms of throwing himself down and, and literally commit suicide, what he's trying to be tricked into. Here's what he declared. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. He said, that's what I'm standing on. Come on now. And he answered the third attack uh, uh, in terms of you want the splendor, you want the kings, come on, bow down and, and, and worship me. Uh, he, he, he answered this. And all these are scriptures. The first answer comes from Deuteronomy uh, 8.3. The second uh, answer, Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy 6.16. And now he's quoting Deuteronomy 6.13. He's standing on scripture, the word appropriately. Look what he says. He says, away from me, Satan. Sometimes you just have to say that to those thoughts that you're engaging with. Away from me, tempter. Away from me, Satan. Now, I know there's an alternative reality than what you're trying to create. For it is written. Here's what God God's word declare, and I'll stand on it. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. 
That's, Jesus says, is what I'm standing on. That's my declaration. Praise be to God. All right. Here's the second exercise. <laughs> I'm trying to get here. Again, read Craig's book. You'll find the fuller uh, expression of this. But here's the suggestion. Figure out what the dominant lie is and then write it down. Maybe for some, the dominant lie is, I'm a victim. Life is helpless and hopeless. And then figure out what is the truth of God's word. You know, you can just Google. If you're feeling depressed or despairing or feeling like you're lost or feeling, well, you can just Google scripture that addresses those subjects. And you can get uh, how God's word speaks to you in that context. So if you felt like you were a victim, perhaps you, you would stumble across the text that declares in the book of Romans, where, where he says, uh, if God be for you, who can be against you? And then he goes on to say uh, that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loves us. And, then, and Craig says, write that down under the truth that you're standing on. And then turn that truth into a declaration. And the declaration you should write out, which is what you'll begin to say again and again, is simply this, that I declare what God says about me, that I'm not a victim. I am a victor in Jesus Christ, that I'm more than a conqueror. I declare that I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus who loved me and that I can do, I declare that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. As a matter of fact, I'm not just, I'm more than a conqueror. What does that make you? It makes me an overcomer. I declare in the face of Satan, I declare in the face of my history, I declare in the face of my future challenge, I am empowered by a power greater than me. His name is Jesus. I am an overcomer. Here's the last insight. Here it is. One psychiatrist said this. You want to make a lie seem true? Say it again and again and again. You know what I say? If you want to make the truth seem true in the face of a lie, say the truth over and over and over again. Yeah. Craig and others say you want to rewire the the wiring, you want to reboot your brain? Yeah. Stand on God's word and declare who God says you are. I'll see you next week. Okay, how are you going to respond to this incredibly important message as we kick off this brand new series? Listen, there's a QR code right here on the screen. Just take your camera, point at it. It's going to take you to our connection card and to the next steps with Jesus section. And look, here's all I want to say for somebody who's listening right now. Do you know how you're going to ultimately win those battles in your mind? Jesus needs to be Lord of your life. And if you're ready to make that choice, then just go ahead and check that box and says, yeah, I want, I want to be a Jesus follower or I'm ready to return to my faith. There are some other choices there for you as well. And every week I always create a prayer that I want to encourage you to pray uh, throughout the week as it relates to the response to the message. Here is this week's prayer. God, give me the power to audit my thoughts and identify the lies impacting my life. Will you pray that prayer? Take a picture of it if you got your camera. Also, take a picture of this reflection question as well. What is the dominant pain in my history? And how does it tempt me to believe what's not true?